everyone, and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast, where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you an edge on Kajabi. I'm your host, Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience. And today I am joined by my friend, Mr. Jody Friedman. How is it going today, Jody? What's up, Jared? Thanks for having me. Appreciate you hanging out. Jody, you are, I guess, what do you, what do you call yourself? What's your title? Uh, like what's, <laughs> what's the official, official title for you? Uh, in my, uh, non course teaching, uh, training coaching business, I'm a music publisher and a music supervisor and a music producer. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Do you have a, a, any type of like, do you consider yourself CEO, president, proprietor, anything along those lines? Anything you put uh, yeah, on the card? Yeah, I'm all, I'm owner of uh, multiple, I own multiple labels. Uh, I have my own publishing companies. I've been self-employed since 2006. I've been the owner of my companies and, uh, you know, for better or worse, right? But <laughs> sure. uh, I, I committed, I went all in and uh, it's been, it's been really great. I've been really fortunate. Very nice. Well, uh, one of my favorite parts about this interview. We, we seems like we have a first every single Kajabi Edge, but my favorite part about this is I've had the the pleasure and the privilege of getting to kind of watch this journey for you from the moment that you and I actually were discussing like, should we do, should I do this? Like, and I remember just like early conversations and seeing you take this from ground zero to six, you just hit your 100K hero a little while ago. So from zero to six figures in much less than a year. So this is, this is a first for us and really, really cool. But for everyone else, your music producer, kind of like, do you have like when someone comes up to you and says, what do you do for a living? Do you have an elevator pitch? Yeah. I mean, I teach artists how to uh, earn a good living from their music without having to spend years touring and building a fan base from licensing their music to films, TV shows, commercials, trailers, video games, anywhere that's willing to license the music. And that's that's different than selling your music online. It's, it's like a, a lease on your music to use it for a set amount of terms to license it in a program. Uh, that's my jam. That's what I do. Okay. Most of the time I'm the seller and sometimes I'm the buyer. Uh, as a buyer, as a music supervisor, I'm the buyer. So other companies like mine, other licensing agents and sync reps, which is part of what I do. Uh, sync is a slang word for music licensing in the space. We talk about sync uh, licensing because what you're doing is you're synchronizing picture with film and you literally synchronize it right in a timeline in an edit editing program like Final Cut or Avid or whatever. So that term sync is synonymous with like with music licensing. So um, sometimes people are pitching me when I get to supervise projects for for Netflix or HBO or uh, Focus Features, uh, and I'm the buyer. And that, those are a lot of fun. I actually a goal this year of mine is to drum that business up and do a bit more of that because I really enjoy that. But uh, on the most of the time, I'm on the pitching side. I pitch and I license music to other music supervisor colleagues of mine, and you know producers, music editors, any any person involved in the post production process of a project that or sometimes even the pre-production process that needs music for their projects and they all need music you guys everybody listening to this we all watch tv shows and films and there's music playing and they have to pay the rights they have to pay the artists for the rights for that music the artists and the labels and the publishers and the composers to use that music it's not free and it sounds like you kind of you have experience on both sides of the equation which i imagine kind of gives you an edge uh to teach other <laughs> artists uh how, how to i guess prepare their music for uh, purchase in this particular area. Yeah, it definitely does. I, I think that I, I like to teach from multiple lesson lenses. So uh, in my, my um, staple course, I guess, as people call it, my main staple course uh, is my music licensing masterclass. And that masterclass takes artists on the journey that I went through. And my journey started as an artist myself. I was an artist first. I was a songwriter. Actually, that was first. I was a songwriter 
first. Then I was a recording artist. Then I got into licensing and publishing. Then I became a music supervisor. And now I produce as well. So I, I've definitely been through the gamut and done it all. So now I'm able to teach through multiple lenses. So my, my students come away knowing how cli- how their clients that they're pitching to, their potential clients, the music supervisors, how they think. Because I literally take them behind the scenes with me on projects that I've music supervised to walk them through it so they see that perspective. In addition, I show them the perspective of, of a sync agent from somebody who pitches their music and an artist, a songwriter who I've licensed my own content as well to projects. So I do try to cover all angles because, you know, knowledge is knowledge. The more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to take on the world. So uh, I try to share as much information as I can with my students. So uh, in terms of your students, uh, kind of, I guess, give us give, give us a perspective on like who that person is. Is it anyone who can pick up a guitar and strum it? Like who's kind of like the target that you're looking at? Yeah, I mean, my audience, uh, it depends what they're coming to the site for. It, it really varies, but it's anyone from a musician, a young musician who just just picked up the guitar and has, has really taken to it and they're writing songs and they think, wow, I want to do this with my life. This is what I want to do. Let's start there because it is so hard to make a living in the music business. And most people think when you pick up that that guitar and you start playing music, you just go to what what you hear on Amazon Music or Spotify or Apple Music and you think, well, I want to do that. But that's only one part of the music business. That is the traditional record business where you you get signed to a record deal with a major label or an indie label. And they they basically give you an interest free loan in advance that they recoup against future earnings. And usually it's pretty, pretty small for your first deal if you can get that deal, which is very hard to get. And then you spend all this time touring on the road away from your loved ones, which isn't really something you think about at that age. But eventually in life, you want to settle. And I mean, for me, it happened when I was like 27, 28, I was finally getting the itch like, okay, maybe I don't want to tour so much. And, you know, I liked settling into the norm and, you know, doing the regular thing. And I found a whole new avenue for for making money from music. And I no longer was doing that hustle and that grind of trying to book gigs and, you know, stapling up the flyers on the, on the light poles and trying to fill rooms. So it's more than two people there. So they'll hire you again. It's like, it's a constant struggle for musicians and it is real. And it's because music, when you take to it, it just calls to you. So for those musicians out there that are, have been taken by music and want to get heard by millions and want to build a fan base and want to affect people emotionally with their music, there's no better way to do that than in music licensing because there is so much content out there, especially now. It's like the... I'm not going to call it the golden age of television because I think that was maybe 10 years ago, (laughs) but it is... It is the age of content. There is so much content between all the streaming networks and every single project needs music and good music, well-produced music. It doesn't have to be a radio hit either to get your music licensed. It can be an instrumental underscore piece. I licensed a piece to a trailer that was a, a drone and a riser and a vocal, and that was it. And it got used by CBS in a in a show. No, wait a minute. That wasn't a trailer. That was in show for CBS. So, um, but my point is, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to get those spots. You just have to be focused, and you also have to know the business. That's the main thing I teach. You have to understand the business because professionals like working with other professionals. And just like anything you're going to study, you go to school for it, and you take courses, you take classes, you get training, you get certified, whatever it might be, whatever business you're in. The music business is no different. When you get in the music business, 
even as an artist in the traditional label model, you know, you think about Kanye West or Taylor Swift, you know, they know the business inside and out. They know it, but they still surround themselves with a good team and they still pitch themselves too. They don't rely on their team to do all the work. You're constantly pitching yourself and your music and you have to put the right team in place and you have to learn. You got to take the time to learn from either mentors or from coaches online or schools. There's a lot of schools out there to teach you. You got to take the time to study and understand the business. Super important. Yeah. I mean, you think you bring up a really good point there. Is there a like, is there another avenue or a traditional traditional way that someone might get the type of education that you're offering? Is this like a something that you could go to Harvard or Yale um, and get a degree in? Not exactly what I'm offering. There's, there's programs now that did not exist when I was starting, like programs in music supervision. I believe Berkeley has a program. You UCLA Extension has a program. Uh, They're out there and they're taught by music supervisors like myself. You know, you can go to Berkeley. I think Berkeley School of Music is probably the biggest one, but you're going to spend $25,000 to $50,000 on tuition to do something like that. And you get just as much, sorry, but just as much knowledge from my program, which (laughs) is much, much less. So um, yes, there's options out there now that didn't exist. And I think if you're you're going to school for a major in music business and you want to take like a licensing course to supplement it, I think that's great because it's great that they're they're out there now because it, it wasn't not even 10 years ago it wasn't a thing wow well that's i'd love to kind of dig into that uh, area a bit i guess uh like you were you've been self-employed since 2006 for all intents and purposes, you're you're running a successful business. Like what for you was the driver to say, hey, I want to start a course or I want to take this online? Uh, the driver for me was, frankly, I got a, I've gotten a bit burnt out on sales, on pitching. And it's kind of a, a thankless job. It really is. You, you know, I pick and choose my artists who I sign. I pitch them. And if I place them, I love sharing good news with them. But if you don't place them, you sometimes you get, hey, why is nothing happening with my music? And, you know, that gets a little old. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm not getting paid unless I get something placed. Right. And it's sales. It's basic sales. And it just I got burnt out on it. So I started asking myself, what else could I do with the knowledge that I have? And I started thinking back to when I started as a songwriter and I became a regional song leader in my youth group. I was leading kids in songs and we played to like thousands of kids in the southeast region for my youth group. And I cut my teeth performing doing that. But I also started teaching. I started teaching song leading and teaching guitar. I went to a leadership academy when I was young and um, it just brought back the, the desire to teach again was something that was missing from my life. So I thought about how can I fulfill fill that void without... I still have to pitch. I still got to keep my business going. My other business of licensing, I'm not going to let that go. But in the meantime, I started License Your Music and I found immediately, right when I put the word out online, I put a little video out saying, hey, I'm doing consults, uh, to help artists go here. I got signed signups like crazy. I got about 20 signups for consults within, I want to say three days. So it was the other part of it is that the audience was there for me. So for those listening that are, you know, other coaches, non-music related, it didn't hurt that my audience was there. Artists can look me up and see online, oh, Jody's a music supervisor. Let me send them my music. And they do. They still do. Every day I get emails saying, hey, will you listen to my music? And all that is, is saying, help me, help me, help me. Place my music. License 
license my music. So instead of now, when I get those emails, I reply and say, Hey, I'll listen. If I can, I have like a, you know, a template I send out, like, thanks so much for sending. I'll do my best to listen. And I usually do. And if I can market it, I'll reach out. But in the meantime, go to licenseyourmusic.com and download my free guide on four simple steps to get your music on TV. Because the least I can do is steer them in the right direction. I love that. That's, that's such a, I guess, a cool entry point into like, it's almost, it's almost like a natural progression for you. Like, you know, even if the course is out of your mind, just kind of taking some of these steps to, you know, you have people coming to you, asking you, like asking you for your help. Uh, It's almost like the next obvious step to take. Yeah, it really was. It was the next obvious step to take. You summed it up well. So I guess, uh, I mean, you have people who are already coming to you, but I can't imagine like this audience is thousands or, you know, millions or maybe it is that I don't, I don't know what your audience size is. <laughs> well, but. You, yeah. You started the question with, you know, who is my audience? So from the musician, just starting out to someone who, you know, they did music as a hobby and they want to make it more of a professional career. Uh, maybe they're tired of touring or touring is now not a thing because of COVID and you're looking for new sources of income for your music. So previous artists that were previously signed to labels that now are like, what do I do now? I got dropped by my label. I'm not touring. How do I make money for my music? And also retired business people. Actually, a lot of my my clients are retired business people who, you know, they played in bands in high school and maybe they played a little bit throughout their adult life, but they've been, you know, working hard for years and now they're retired and like, what do I do now with my life? I want to get back into music. So they're looking as a, you know, music licensing gives you purpose to create. If you don't have a purpose to create, it can be a very depressing place to be, right? You're just on your own writing songs for nobody. It's fulfilling to do that. But if you don't have a purpose, like a goal, a target, I want to be signed to a record deal. I I should call it a vision. If you don't have a vision for where you want to go with that music, you're, you're kind of lost as a musician. So licensing gave me purpose as a musician and in business, I've left a, a really good job uh, working for CNN to do music licensing full time because I just, it wasn't for me. The, the corporate world, the, the news broadcast news world wasn't for me. And music was constantly pulling at me. It was constantly calling to me. Even when I was at work, I'd be working the teleprompter and on the commercial breaks, I'd be writing down lyrics on the back of the, the script. And, um, you know, it, it's once it takes you, you can't, but what is it? Uh, there's a saying, the best way to sum this up, George Bizet is a, a famous opera composer. He says that music is a jealous mistress. She's like whispering in your ear, you know, (laughs) come, come play, come play. You know, it's like, it's constantly calling to you. And usually this, you know, these guitars in the back behind me, they hang on the wall, but lately I've been able to pick it up more, which is, I wasn't able to do that. Um, before I started the courses, it's at least gotten me back to even my own goals of, you know, what's my purpose here with music? What am I going to do with my music as well? Because as I'm, as you teach, as you coach, you're teaching yourself too, you know, you research, you put together plans and you learn and, uh, um, it's been great. I just, I, I love it. Well, I'd love to kind of just dig into kind of the flow of, of how you got, like, so you've made the decision, you've created the course, you're preparing for your first launch. Like, what are some of the expectations you have? What is your approach to like actually filling the rooms? I know you mentioned you have some of an, some of, what of an audience, but like, yeah. How do you make this thing successful? Well, both times I've done two launches. My first launch was the most successful. That was in March of last year. We had 96 signups and I had one affiliate. And out of, from the affiliate, we got about 33 signups. So wow. affiliating with the right the right person doesn't have to be a lot of people, but the right individual, the right person could make all the difference. But also we had in that first launch, we had two live events. So I did a seven-day launch and on Monday we had an event. And this was an event with a guest colleague of mine, a guest music 
music supervisor and, you know, come to the event, talk to them, we'll answer some questions. You'll learn about this, this, and this. And um, it's free. It was free to attend. So people would come, they attend the event. Not everybody does free events. Some people charge, I know, like just to kind of weed out some looky-loos, if you will. But uh, I, I ran a little bit of ads towards that launch. Not too much. I didn't have a crazy spend. And we had a, an event at the, at the start and then an event like the second to last day. And it was a huge success. It started off slow. I think like it's so common in this business. It's like, I see the numbers slowly trickling in and get kind of worried, like what's going on? What's wrong? What's wrong? And then the last day it just hits. And you know, you send those three emails, one at the start of the day, one midday and one at the end. The last one says, you know, last chance, only a few hours left. And all of a sudden, you know, the sales just come in, you know, spending my energy on that versus what else, what uh, the other stuff I was doing, it's just, it's serving a purpose. It has a higher return for me. Uh, it makes sense. So in my second launch, you ask what's working, what's not working. I don't know exactly what happened with the second launch. Still haven't figured out what didn't work. I mean, we had 60, 65 signups. We were going for 200 and we had a big ad spend. So I about broke even. Um, and I think part of it for my program, for my masterclass program, is it brought in a lot of people who aren't really serious about their career. And they're, they're hobbyists. There's a difference between hobbyists and careerists. If you're a hobbyist, you make music for fun. Yeah, it'd be cool to get signed. I'll get signed one day or I'll get licensed one day, but you don't take your business seriously. And there's a difference between those than that those that are like, yeah, I make music for fun, but I also take it very seriously as a business and I want to succeed with music licensing. And the ads for me brought in a lot of looky-loos that were, I couldn't get off the fence. They weren't really willing to invest in their careers, which is fine. I learned a lot from that launch. But what it did do is I did a free trial for my second uh, my second launch for my membership. And out of the 65 signups, like 45 opted in for the free trial. And two months later, 38 are still in my trial. So, you know, I, I watched Shark Tank <laughs> and you hear like Mark Cuban say, follow the green, don't follow the dream. And I know there's, it, it's a funny saying, but there's definitely some truth to that. You got to go where the, where the money's coming in. And if I see, I mean, it wasn't money, it was a free trial, but the potential for growth there is, with a membership is huge. So, so now I'm rethinking everything and I'm considering focusing all my energy on my members. And I actually have, I've re, I revamped my theme. I've added a bunch of new offerings, like for no cost for them. There's no additional cost. I'm just adding a ton of value for them because I want it to be something that I would want to be a part of. And I don't see anyone else uh, doing what I'm doing, teaching what I'm teaching with this type of membership. So yeah, that's where I'm at now. Anyway, might change tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little bit about like the, the hurdles that you had to overcome to get to this point. I know, yeah. you know, just in, in our conversations, oh, yeah. there, there's been a few, but like what really stands out to you in terms of just the challenges with building this? Yeah. I mean, I, I had to quickly educate myself in this business and how it works and what a funnel is, right? I didn't know what a funnel was. I didn't know what a sales funnel was a year and a half ago. So I had to do a little bit of a spin. I invested in some coaches and that made all the difference for me, learning how it worked. And also I listened to some audiobooks and podcasts and I had to educate myself in the process. And then once you do that, there's so much chatter about what's the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do. So, you know, for me, it was like, well, I like the way that sounds. Let's try that. And some of it worked and some of it didn't. So, you know, it's a learning process. I think I've, I've definitely, I'm, I'm new in this business. I may have had, had a, a lot of success in a short amount of time, but I still have a lot to learn. I, again, I think it really helped that the audience was there for me in that first launch. Like the dam was building up for me for, you know, 14 years. And then, oh, wait,
wait a minute, Jody's doing a course. You know, it, it's, it was uh, for a lot of those students, they were people who had already been in the business for at least four or five years. They knew who I was. The second launch was a lot of, were a lot of people who had no idea who I was. So I think that was the key difference in the successes there. But uh, yeah, so the, you know, the biggest hurdles for me have been the spend I had to spend to figure this stuff out. I had to invest, but a good, I think it's a good investment. You know, I may have made a little less on the second launch, but I learned a lot and I definitely grew my list. Even with that big ad spend for me, I spent a lot on an ad spend and, you know, my list is now up to 12,000 people. So, you know, with that, I was able to do a Black Friday sale and make 2,500 bucks over the course of Black Friday selling a $7 and a $17 product. So, you know, that's a forever list I'm forever going to have. And I can create products to serve what I'm calling the looky-loos, the hobbyists. Yeah. You know, I can create products to serve them and I can affiliate with people to serve them as well. Those that aren't willing, willing or wanting to do a career in music, they're just like, Hey man, I just like to make music. This sounds cool. I'll, I'll click on it. There's still value I can offer them and um, different insights I can give them into what they do to help them with what they do. Because either way, as a musician, whether it's licensing or the record business, you're constantly trying to level up your skills. And when you stop doing that, then that's a problem. I mean, even today's best artists, they try to one-up themselves with each album they release. You know, you two put out an album not too long ago that I thought was one of their best albums of all time. And I didn't think I could they could do better than Joshua Tree, and they did. So it was like um it's just eye-opening to me that even those artists uh at that level are looking at themselves saying at themselves and their art saying, what can I do better next time? So, um, you know, if, if it's a constant thing you, you got to work on, you want to work on as an artist, cause it keeps things interesting too. If you don't do that, you get stale, you get stuck in, you know, what you're used to. Like even like when I pick up the, uh, the guitar, I typically play, well, I try not to now, but usually you get used to playing the same chord when you pick it up, whatever you learn on. I learned with an E major. So you pick it up and you hit that E major to make sure it's in tune. Where does that go next? Okay. Well now I'll go to a G and then a D it's like breaking those patterns is important in everything you do. Instrumentation, producing, how you program your drums, uh, how you mix. If you're paying attention to how the how the snare sounds, how the kick sounds, you know what frequency range they're in. There's so much to it. Writing a song and then recording a song, and there's all of these different skill sets that you need to have. And it can be overwhelming, but you know you want to set those small goals right and just accomplish them one at a time. And don't think, all right, tomorrow I'm going to learn how to mix and train my ears in EQ, and I'm going to do that. It's like, no, no, no. This year, this year, I'm going to learn to orchestrate strings. You know, that's it. That's going to be my level up this year. Imagine coming away a year from now, 12 months, and knowing how to orchestrate strings for a record. That would be an amazing skill set to have. And it's not impossible. It'll take training and time and practice, but it's obviously possible because if you're a musician, you know, like I picked up a guitar, I had to practice for a year before I was able to play that guitar well. So if I did it then, why can't I do it now with a new skill? Sure. One thing you said a while back that I I, I don't want to downplay at all um, is you, you talk about the, you're, you're fortunate because the audience was there, but I think the reality of it, this is, is it's not, yes, it was there, but it's not like you had this pre-built, you just had a a list waiting for you that you'd been warming up for the last year and a half. You just took advantage of your network and the people around you and take, taking advantage is not the right word, but like you, you, you tapped into it. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that that's really key here. Um, just to, just for clarity for anyone listening, I think that, that, that that's huge. Everyone has a network of some sort, whether it's, you know, it's your parents, your siblings, uh, your cousins, 
Like there's, depending upon what it is that you're selling, most likely you're going to be working on building something that's within the realm of the things that you already talk about, things that you have information and there's bound to be some type of network, even a small one to kind of get the ball rolling. And that's exactly, I mean, at least from what I'm hearing, what you did is you just, you, you took advantage of the fact that you have people around you who know you do what you do and are interested in what you do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, I'd love to kind of, I guess, uh, talk a little bit about what is next on kind of the horizon for license your music. Uh, I'm looking towards doing more high level coaching, one-on-one coaching and, um, a path carving out a path, creating a path. I've been working for about six months now on stages that an artist goes through, through the licensing journey from the beginners, just starting out to those that are, you know, they've licensed more times than they can count. And then I'm working on milestones that you can reach that you can chart along the way between each stage. And I'm even working on like a gamification system with rewards and tokens and, um, tasks that you complete, that you get rewards for to encourage and have some accountability within our, our membership and our community so that everybody can compete with one another in a healthy way to try to get from stage one to stage two to stage three to stage four and track that journey too. Because you, you kind of, when you do that, you know, you, you, you keep accountability for yourself. It's like playing a video game and trying to defeat Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> you get to world four and yeah. you can't beat that villain and blessed I got to get to Bowser in world eight or whatever, you know, whatever it was. And, uh, you compete with yourself. And I think it's good to do that and have that, uh, within a, within a membership. So I'm going to try to implement that. I love it. So kind of just looking back, what would you tell yourself? Uh, it's not, it hasn't even been a year. Um, but like, what would you tell yourself if you could go back to the kind of the beginning of this, like this and just, you know, give yourself some advice. I don't know. I can't say that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things I look back at and I see that, you know, maybe I didn't need to spend that here or that there, but if I didn't spend it, I wouldn't know. So I think just, um, you know, like you said, I did tap into my network. So it's important if you're starting out to have a network, I think, I think some mistakes I, I do see some coaches making is that they just think they can create something and throw it up there and people will just show up. And it's not, it's just not that simple. You've got to have some sort of audience. Like you said, even if it's a small group of people that can get the word out. And if you're creating something that's truly of value for them and they'll be able to get the word out for you. So, um, you know, I'm also really passionate about it. It's not something that I'm just, uh, lightly saying, Oh, you know, I, I happen to know how to do this. Why don't I teach that? No, I'm genuinely, I love what I do. I love licensing. I love being a musician and creating. So, um, and I love helping other artists get placements and find success. So looking back, if there's something that I could do different with what I know now, I would probably launch the high-end coaching thing right away. I probably wouldn't have even bothered trying to build a list and trying to go the route of, you know, the 12,000 on my list is great, but I only need to serve, you know, 400 people and I'm good if I'm doing a high-end coaching thing, maybe even less. So, you know, I just didn't have the understanding yet of the business and the funnels and how all that worked to know about what it takes to, you know, once you're coaching, like to know what's involved, even with the system behind there, knowing their pain points, like knowing that I didn't know about that, that same that you hear like you got to know their their pain points. I didn't know about that when I started. I heard, I learned very soon after getting into this. What is your I think you actually might have mentioned that to me Jared in our first conversation. Know your customers pain points and uh you know it really got me thinking and asking those questions. So the whole journey has been a learning experience for me and I'm still 
learning. You know, what's really, you know, interesting about this whole thing is like, I think a lot of us, you know, especially those who are listening to this, if you, if you haven't started a business or you, you haven't done this, we have a tendency to believe that like, oh, if I had this giant network or if I had a big following on social or if I had an email list and like, I think of like, you may remember this because this is kind of your industry, but I wonder how many people out there remember Apple's, I think it was Ping, it was called their attempt at like a music social network. I mean, there's no bigger brand or very few bigger brands in the world than Apple. And even with that big of an audience doesn't guarantee the success of anything. And I think what's what's so cool about your story and the story of, of so many others that we have here within the Kajabi kind of ecosystem or family of heroes is that, that you're so close. You're so close to the problems or the needs or the interests of those you are serving. So just understanding what your customer needs and what they're looking for as a foundation for how you ultimately build your business is, is so cool. You don't necessarily need a million people to launch something successful. And I think you did an incredible job just illustrating that, like even with a, you know, a small network, uh, you know, uh, of people who are interested in what you do, you are able to turn that into a very functioning business. So I guess one thing I'm interested in is, you know, you were self-employed, you still are self-employed, just roundabout, like what percentage of, of your business or maybe even your time is now focused on this versus kind of your older work? Well, I've managed to tie it in uh, seamlessly to my membership. So I'm able to do both now simultaneously. I would say that as far as what I used to do, if I, when I wasn't doing the course, I would be signing more talent. So I was building a catalog. Um, I still do that, except now I'm starting to outsource that process and focus most of my energy on coaching. So, and, and I license your music. So percentage wise, I don't know, I'd say probably 75% is licensed your music and 25% is on the, the, um, the other stuff. But that said, like my goal this year, I want to get on more jobs as a music supervisor because I love music supervising. It is fun. Uh, so if that happens, you know, am I going to have to pivot and outsource a little bit for some other stuff? Yeah, I probably will. I'll still show up for my courses. I just might not be doing any launches while I'm doing that. So uh, that's the great thing about it. Being an online coach is that, you know, if you need to not do a launch, you just say, I've got other stuff to do. I'm not going to do a launch. You know, you get your, I think the key for me is having that nurture sequence. This, this is a big thing that helped me. I'll, I'll add this. I started doing right away. I wanted to do a podcast and I wanted to do YouTube videos. So what I did is I created um, a series of content. It was fall of 2020 and uh, like maybe November, December, I was just knocking out batch recording a bunch of episodes. And when I release an episode just like this, it's video and audio and it goes to my YouTube and it goes to my podcast simultaneously. So I was able to kill two birds with one stone. I also would get a blog out of it. So three birds with one stone. And by doing that, by having all this content for YouTube, I created enough content to have a year's worth of a nurture sequence that just kind of is circular. So every, you know, 10 or 11 days, my audience will get an email from me saying, you know, would you like to know how to be a music supervisor? In today's episode, we talk about this and here's the YouTube link and here's the podcast link. And 11 days later, did you know that you're your own publisher when you write a song? Here's a link, click on this. So it's constant value for them throughout the year. I'm nurturing them. I'm building that trust. And in between, I can do my launches if I want or not. So it'll be value, 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 value. And then here's an offer instead of the 
you know, what is it? Punch, punch, or jab, value, jab, value punch, pitch. Or yeah. Value, value, <laughs> pitch. So, I mean, I know that works for some people, but, um, you know, I, I find that my audience, especially in the music business, there's a lot of mistrust, unfortunately. So, um, you need to add time. You need to add time and have more runway to build that trust with your audience before you make an offer. So that's what I'm able to do with that, with that process. I do think that could work for any business. I don't think that's limited to the music business. The more you can build trust with a client, the more likely they're going to purchase from you at some, at some point. So batch recording your episodes, simultaneously getting YouTube and the podcast going has been awesome because it's just fun to watch the engagement and see people's comments about how helpful it is. And, uh, you know, also like I never had a YouTube channel. Actually, that's not true. I had a channel as an artist for years. And I think I'm at like, you know, 200 subscribers over after 14 years where my other channel has like 700 subscribers now for license your music. So that's not a big number, but in a year, that's fantastic. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. I love how you managed to kind of almost blend together the work that you do um, into kind of where you've taken this with the core structure. You've managed to create this almost like symbiotic relationship between the two. Um, you were you were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier. You mentioned you're picking up the guitar more, um, doing a few more things. Like I want to know also just like what else has changed for you as a result of you kind of pivoting in this direction or merging these businesses together? Like what's different about your life? Yeah, it's it's a combination of all of that happening and COVID. COVID was a time to reflect and, you know, the great reset we've all had from COVID to ask yourself. And I asked myself, what do I really want to do with my life? And it was the fall of 2020 that I started the course. And it was the fall of 2020 that Hollywood froze and there were no productions happening. So what's changed for me is I asked myself, what's really important to me? I'm 41 years old. I've been working really hard for a long time. I know I'm not, you know, in my sixties, but I've worked my ass off. So for me, I always had a goal of retiring early. And this allows me to do something I really love that doesn't really feel like work. It feels like I'm just just doing. And also it allows me to live my life and spend time, set my own schedule. If I want to take Fridays off, I can take Fridays off. If I want to work a 10 hour work week, I can work a 10 hour work week. I'm not there yet. I'm trying. That's a really hard thing after working, being so disciplined for so long about, I have to be disciplined. I have to be disciplined. I got to work 40 or more hours a week for years. That's a really hard thing for me to get to. But that is my goal is to set this up where it's I'm showing up, you know, twice a month for my membership. I batch record content in December, you know, before the holidays hit and I'm working 10 hour work weeks. I love it. Well, I, I don't know how much this plays into license, license music, but I know that like a key to probably a song or an artist's success is reviews. Um, so I'm just going to call this one out there for the, the podcast. If you're, if you're thinking about this, we'd love it if you left us a review on your favorite podcasting channel. Um, I'll be looking for them. I read them and I'll definitely shout you out during a show. But with that said, uh, thank you once again, Jody, for hanging out with us. For anyone who uh, obviously they can't see you on the podcast unless we have a clip at some point but you've got guitars amps uh it looks like even a is that a violin back there yeah my violin yeah and then like a it looks like a ukulele um you've got music everywhere i think even your pillow is uh, a mixing board if- it is it is it's a mixing board <laughs> pillow amazon 
I love it. Well, thank you again for taking the time to kind of share your journey. Such a cool story of someone who, you know, you've you've taken your career and turned it into something that I don't think anyone, let alone you, ever expected it to be um, and have done so very successfully um, by using the Kajabi platform. So again, thank you for sharing the story. Thank you for having me. And thanks, Kajabi, for doing what it does, changing lives. It's really amazing. Well, that is all we have for everyone today. I look forward to seeing you all next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast.